Welcome to the latest Industry Insights podcast. Industry Insights is a reservoir of articles, interviews and other content relating to business, entrepreneurialism, leadership, charity, career pathways and networking. We'll be exploring the many opportunities in building the global integrative medicine community and how you can get involved. FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Dr. Amy Steele, who's a naturopath of over 15 years experience with a PhD in health services research. She's been involved in naturopathy in a variety of capacities, including clinical practice, industry, policy development, and research and academic activities. Amy is a postdoctoral research fellow with the Australian Research Centre in Complementary and Integrative Medicine, Arkham, at the University of Technology, Sydney. Her role is based at Endeavour College of Natural Health, Brisbane, where she's also Associate Director of Research and manages the Office of Research. Welcome back to FX Medicine, Amy. How are you? I'm great, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, I didn't read your whole bio out because, my goodness, you're a busy lady. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask how you have time for family, but, but what, what's driven you to do this? I care deeply about our profession and I'm driven by um, the desire to better understand our profession and to put naturopathy in a position where it can confidently engage with, you know, other parts of the health system and other parts of the society and, and come out from the shadows where it's been or and the fringes where it's been sort of situated for, you know, many generations and, and really take its place in, in um, the community. Yeah. So that's really what, what drives me. I believe that we have, as a profession, have a lot to offer. And there's lots of different ways that we can um, we can contribute, and we, and we don't haven't yet hit our full strength with that. So oh, I'm God, doing no. my, the, my bit to make that happen. Good on you. Now today we're going to be talking about something new with regards to research opportunities and indeed research focus. Can you take us through exactly what this is? Because it's a bit of a, a let's say confronting acronym. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. So, um, I want to, um, what we've been developing or what I've built um, with the help of international colleagues is a research collaboration, which um, it's called the International Research Consortium uh, of Naturopathic Academic Clinics. Uh, and as, as you said, the, uh, the acronym ERCNAC is, uh, it's a little bit clunky, but it um, serves its purpose and it, it means what it says. It's certainly so, memorable. Um, <laughs> it's memorable, that's right. <laughs> and so the, the consortium itself um, actually grew out of a leadership program that is run through Arkham. So Arkham has, has an, a naturopathic leadership program for research. It's an international program. It's got 12 fellows on it. Um, about half of them come from overseas, about half from within Australia. And these are all people who are contributing meaningfully to research uh, around the world. There's members from India, South Africa, US, Canada, uh, England. Wow. 
and, and Australia all involved. Um, it's, it's it's been running for a couple of years now, and and every year um, I'm I'm a peer mentor on the program, so I'm not act- actively a fellow on the program, but I'm, I'm I um, I work as helping to organise and, and run the sessions. Yeah, and um, the. Uh, the whole purpose of the program, the actual program of the leadership program, is, is to to help to to bring together the strengths that we have in the research for naturopathy internationally, and and um, cross pollinate and work together to to pool our resources and build a really strong research program for naturopathy globally. So. Um, what actually happened was uh, a, a couple of years ago, one of our research uh, members, uh, uh, the fellows of the program, uh, Dr. Joshua Goldenberg from Bastyr University, uh, proposed a pro- research project that he wanted to run, that he was planning on running through Bastyr University and he thought that it, it, through the naturopathic academic clinic or student clinic that they have in that university. And he um, put, put a, sort of put out to the other members of the program, anyone else who wants to run the same project through their clinics, we could look at doing something like that. And um, Dr. Kieran Cooley from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine put his hand up and said that they could do that. And I thought, well, we actually could do that through Endeavour as well. And so we started talking about this research project idea. And very early on in the conversation, as as it progressed beyond that week where we all meet over the ensuing month, Mm. was that the actual research question was this we're on a specific health condition, but actually the methodology could be used to answer lots of research questions for lots of health conditions using the infrastructure within these student clinics. And that by having these across multiple sites, we'd actually add to the rigor um, and the representativeness of any research that was conducted. And so we took a step back and um, I propose that we form a um, consortium of naturopathic academic clinics with an, a memorandum of understanding that with an agreed upon mission and principles and, and gui- guiding principles and um, that will allow more readily for, nat- for colleges or educational institutions with naturopathic student clinics to link in and work together on specific research projects. So we put the call out, um, we, we drafted an MOU, we put the call out through US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, to all of the contacts that we we had, and we had um, a real um, um, amazing support and interest. Um, so the, the, that was kind of the birth of the consortium, and so we've now got all of the the colleges and and um, who have agreed to be to participate involved and. And um, we, we have a consortium underway. Okay. There's a, a vast difference in the model of practice from uh, US naturopathic physicians in, I think it's 12 states, might be more now, Canadian naturopathic physicians and Australian naturopaths with regards to scope of practice, registration and acceptability within the healthcare system. Does this research consortium allow you to conduct research that is applicable across the board? Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, one of the things that, that has come out from some, some of the work that's been done already for the World Naturopathic Federation is that at least in basic principles and in core treatments being prescribed, there's not that much difference in, um, in North American and Australian practitioners. Right. Um, and, and in fact... Whilst 
what you what you've just said is a commonly held belief. Um, we actually don't know for sure that that there is a lot of difference in practice. We believe that there's aspects that are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of they, you know, in in North America, they tend not to prescribe individualized herbal medicines to the degree that that we do in Australia, for example. They they tend to use more proprietary products such as you know um, you know encapsulated or tabulated or even pre-formulated herbs in a bottle yep. um, rather than uh, so there are some aspects of practice that are different but actually we don't have any firm information of the degree to which those differences are in place and whether or not the la- the the actual prescription patterns vary that substantially I mean are they all still prescribing hypericum for depression even if some of them are doing it in a liquid and some of them are doing it in a proprietary formula tablet you know we actually there is not actually any information that really confirms that commonly held belief to be mm. true or not true and so we one of the things that things like the consortium will allow us to do is really look into that more closely and better answer it what about the issue of um, and I say that with those words against scope of practice with regards to let's say diagnosis um, US naturopaths are primary care physicians as are Canadian naturopaths I think can they diagnose a condition and we're not uh, legally, there's nothing, nothing to stop us from diagnosing a condition except in, in um, there's some specific conditions of diagnosis which are limited in some states in Australia. Right. But, but where you, can't, you can't treat someone without diagnosing them. Mm-hmm. It's but not, just not possible. I mean, the thing is what you can't do is necessarily, you're not able to necessarily sign off on a medical certificate with a formal diagnosis. So you can make a naturopathic diagnosis? Yeah, make a natu- Well, the thing is you can still even suspect a specific condition Ultimately, whether or not, from a naturopathic perspective, whether or not a name uh, is given to a condition or to a person's health state or not won't necessarily change the way that the naturopath treats them. And so from our perspective, being able to treat a specific condition or uh, um, people who can present with a, a specific diagnosis is something that's more than able to be done through the um, the naturopathic because it happens all the time. And people with endometriosis go to a naturopath. Yeah. Um, people with diabetes go to a naturopath. So it happens. It's just um, the degree to which naturopaths are uh, legally or um, in a even trained to a degree of being able to give that definitive diagnosis. Yeah. And that varies state to state in the US anyway. How much of that scope of practice? Ah, uh, okay, right. You know, so I, I think we I think we overemphasize the difference, and I think one of the benefits of a project such as this is it gives us the opportunity to um to really dig into where how much crossover there is and understand what exactly quantify those differences, but also really qualify the the similarities. So, what exactly is this research consortium? The the research consortium is um, a partnership or a collaboration of educational organisations in four different countries, two world regions, that are prepared to work together on um, and have research projects conducted through them. So it's an, it's an agreement in principle that is then made in um, decision uh, case by case depending on the research project. So at the moment we've got um, in Australia, there's Endeavour College of Natural Health and also the, the combination of Southern School of Natural Therapies and Australasian College of Natural Therapies that sits underneath the Think um, in, in Institute banner. Um, there's Bastia University in, um, and Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine and the National University of Natural Medicine. So they're in, um, in the US. 
And um, there's also the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Canada. And in, in New Zealand, we've got Well Park College of Natural Therapies and South Pacific College of Natural Medicine. So there's this really, it's, it's, it's the, uh, the first time ever we've actually had these bridges being built yeah. between ed- naturopathic educational institutions Worldwide. across the world, worldwide. Yeah. Was that its prime directive to, you know, dare I say, reach a consensus of research um, across the world? The prime directive was to enable research to happen at an international level and to do that as effectively as we can. Right. Um, and, and to start to build the bridges for communication and collaboration that, that allows for multi-centre research projects to be run for naturopathy, international multi-centre mm. research projects. This is really powerful stuff. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this is what we really need at building a, a base for evidence-based naturopathic medicine. Yeah, I mean, naturopaths, um, who engage with research literature will probably have seen many, many times when even when a nice clinical trial is done, they'll, uh, the researchers will rightly say this was only done in one site. So even though they've had a good outcome, it needs to be replicated in other sites yeah. and other populations to make sure that it's, you know, it stands tr- true. And um, the, the, the ability to actually run something in multiple sites, not just in multiple sites, but in multiple countries, mm-hmm really brings the, the capacity to, to have some very robust outcomes and to say state with more confidence how well things work. And some of those other questions that you brought up earlier are around um, which allow us to look at how similar or different treatment approaches are and those kinds of things will also mean that that even when, if we have some of that information and, and as my I expect, there's going to be more similarity than difference, even though it's you know, attempting to focus on the difference. There's going to be a lot of similarity. We know that the principles and philosophies that underpin naturopathy are consistent. Yeah. Um, and so it might be exactly what they choose to use may, may differ, but the fact that they're treating the cause or the fact that they're focusing on the underlying issues and those kinds of things will be consistent anyway um, will, will mean that, that even when at a later stage there might be a project that's conducted in just one country, we're on much stronger ground to be able to say, yes, this research was done in Canada. However, we already know from historical practice that the outcomes in Canada are very similar to the outcomes in Australia. So we can actually have some confidence in being able to um, transfer those those outcomes across to the Australian population and, and use those in lobbying and in, in presenting results. You know, one of the things that came out of the recent the, the NHMRC review into natural therapies for naturopathy wasn't that there was no evidence it was that because we didn't have the consistency of education standards, because we didn't have registration, we couldn't be that, that the government in Australia couldn't be confident that the results that came from North America Could be um, were relevant to Australia. Right. So this is a, this is a really important project for being able to to answer some of those questions that not only give us the capacity to do more research into the future, but also to to draw upon the research that's been done in the past in other places. Two sides of the coin here. Um, criticism of integrative medicine research usually revolves around the terms like poor design, bias, small cohorts. This is obviously going to answer some of those. Mm. However, there's also that side of things that says that speaks about holistic practice, and yeah. uh, you know the old 
the old chestnut that I throw in every now and again about the tongue-in-cheek publication of the use of parachutes to avoid injury <laughs> from gravitational challenge. You can't yeah. apply a double-blind placebo-controlled trial on that because the people in the placebo arm would die. So yeah. help me here. <laughs> Is this sort of research applicable to single or simple interventions only, or can you look at a naturopathic intervention in its breadth and beauty? Well, it's actually, I would go, it's the other way. You, you can't look at single interventions in this model. Gotcha. And there's two very important reasons for that. One is these are all being conducted through student clinics. So by and large, well, I mean, there is the capacity to just use the sites of these clinics and recruit and have practitioners conduct things, uh, you know, experienced practitioners conduct projects through those sites. Um, and so that there is a possibility of doing those kinds of simple interventions and, and you know testing out a particular drug or a particular treatment and just working with um, research leads in on, on different locations and running a multi-center trial that way. So it's absolutely possible, um, and it, the, it would be supported through the consortium. Right. But the main thrust that was the the underpinning mission for the consortium was to actually support examination or exploration of, of naturopathic care as it occurs in community. Gotcha. And so the intervention is holistic care, is naturopathic care. Um, there's a, a capacity for us to be able to kind of look into how that's being applied and what it actually looks like, what goes into it. How much, I mean, people talk about naturopathic care being holistic. We're going to actually have the capacity to look at, well, how much is um, is diet and lifestyle recommendations being built into naturopathic treatment plans? Um, and or, or are we just prescribing bottles of stuff mm. in, in, a, in a green allopathy kind of way? Yeah. And being able to look into some of those sort of things is, is absolutely possible. But in for, for, you know, the sort of like the first project that we're running through this, the big part of it is is – there is no no rules prescribed, no structure given to the students who are providing the care. We are just looking at what people's health is when they start and looking at their health when they complete um, a, treat, a program of treatment. And we don't provide any restrictions whatsoever into what that treatment program might look like. And that's important because the students are primarily there to learn. And if we start dictating to them what they can and can't prescribe, they're not going to get that learning experience out of it. But also naturopathy is at its absolute heart, individualised medicine. Yeah. So if you start providing structure to what that individualisation looks like, it starts to separate more and more and more from from what actually occurs in community. It and the only way we're allopathy. really exactly. Yeah. So so we we want to be able to support research that really follows the outcomes of care as it naturally occurs. It's you know the the the, the first study that we're running through this is a naturalistic observational study. It's, it's designed specifically to just observe what happens as a result of, of the black box of the intervention, which is the naturopathic consultation and treatment. Does it place a, requ a requirement for standardised measurements of before and after, a baseline and yes. intervention? Ah. Yes. So this is something that can be reproduced, questioned, yes. answered, yes. you know, by those people that are mm, sceptical or, or just questioning, yep. just querying the research outcomes. Correct. Okay. This is exciting me. This is brilliant. So okay. how does it fit into other things that are happen, happening globally, though, for naturopathy, like other countries, Europe, UK? 
Well, one of the things, the last five years with the onset of the World Naturopathic Federation has just transformed the landscape of naturopathy globally. Absolutely transformed. I I know, I email addresses, interactions, have had dinner with naturopaths, professional leaders, academic leaders, researchers in every continent. It's amazing. We have an international community of naturopaths that never existed in any meaningful way before. I know who to go to if I'm going to go to a new country and I want to go meet with someone. I've sat in a general assembly for the World Naturopathic Federation with naturopaths from Slovenia and Nigeria. And it's phenomenal. It's the most exciting time to be a part of this profession. um, And this just sits in amongst all of that. We actually presented this idea to the World Naturopathic Federation at their general assembly and they've endorsed it and they've offered it. Uh, you know, some some funding support for the administration of it. They're putting they're they're actually making it a part of their research program. Um, wow. And the World Naturopathic Federation work with the World Health um, Organization as and to to represent naturopathy in the in the global sphere. So this is it. It's the the larger picture of where naturopathy is going, and us being able to answer some of these questions that you're talking about is is fantastic. But looking into being able to branch the consortium out to include um, India and possibly somewhere in Africa as well to kind of really bring across the in more than you know into the third and fourth world region if we can. Um, okay, so you mentioned funding before, and and you've yeah. received in part something from the World Naturopathic Federation. What about who else is funding it? Can it be called a, to bias? Can it be called to have issues with you know pecuniary interest from industry rather than profession? No, it's a, it's a it's a project of passion. For the three of, of us who who set it up, so so um, Joshua, Kieran, and myself, we're just doing it as, as part of of what we do, basically. Kieran um, is uh, similar to myself, associate director of research at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, mm-hmm. and um, and Joshua Goldenberg is is a is a lead researcher from Bastyr University. So the three of us um, are just kind of doing it for free, basically. So <laughs> it's part of our role. Passion. You know, passion, <laughs> passion, absolutely. It's, 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 and the thing is, it's, it's something that we, 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 I mean, we, we, we will benefit from it because we'll be able to run really exciting research, research from it, but it's open to anyone who wants to run research through these, these, uh, through the consortium. They just have to, to contact them. We've got a, a email address, which I'll, um, people can actually send through, uh, a, a request. And we're setting up the infrastructure for them to do an expression of interest to say they'd like to run a project through it, and that can then be that expression of interest can be sent out to all of the participating colleges, and oh, then yeah. those participating people can say yes, I'm happy to be involved in that. No, that timing's not going to work for our institution. That topic's a bit bit sensitive here. We don't really think we should be a part of it. Whatever it might be, they've got the option to opt in or opt out. But to, it's just open, and it, it's. You know, there's no no charge to it or anything like that. It's just a- we'll definitely be putting this information up on the FX Medicine website. So, any of you listeners who are interested in doing research, please look at the fxmedicine.com.au website, and you can get further information there. Contact with Amy and the other players in the international consortium. What type of research will and won't be able to be conducted through the international consortium? Well, as I said, in 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 its Main operation, which is when it's actually run through the academic clinics with students providing the care as part of their normal care environment. Things like an RCT is not going to work. Um, 
you're not going to be able to randomise people to receive the care or not receive the care and you're not going to be able to really in, insert a specific treatment intervention. The intervention is going to be naturopathy um, and naturopathic care as it's delivered in, in community. Um, having so that that but having said that, there is still, as I said, that capacity. If if uh, a company wanted to, uh, or an, an, a funder of some kind, some kind of sponsor wanted to run a particular type of trial, where they just they wanted the site to be um, to run the clinic, and they wanted to run it in multiple countries to be able to contact the local, um, you know, institute for their in on their in their country and sort of say, I'd like to do this in multiple countries. How how can you help me with that? What would be involved? How do you separate yourselves from pecuniary interest though with that like oh that's the thing that's always there's a t- the type of funding category three funding which is industry-based funding there's just a basic agreement that, that all researchers have we have them at endeavor um, i know that, that ccnm and, and unm have them um, and it's basically it, it's, it's just an agreement that basically says we agree to do this type of of you, you i mean when, when we do it through endeavor we we have a, a a summary protocol to put together. You tell us the sort of research that you want done. We tell you how we think it's going to work. And then if everyone's in agreement that that's all going to happen, then they sign, then the, the sponsor signs agreement that says we don't actually get involved. We, we we hand the funding over to allow the project to happen. You, you give us updates in every couple of months, but other than that, it's hands off. And um, and from our point of view, we, we register all of our clinical trials with the um, clinical trials registry, which means they have to get published. We can't not publish them even if it's negative. Science. Right. Okay. This so is good these, stuff. These are, these are fundamental good practice approaches yeah. um, which separates that. And um, we even um, we have an agreement in our research services agreements that say that that, that whilst there may be a 12-month, we, we, um, the sponsor can request a 12-month lag in publication just in case something comes out that's really problematic and they need to get their house in order before it goes out. That after that 12 months, all bets are off, we get to publish. Why is this type of research so important for naturopathic medicine as a profession? Well, the type of research that we get to, the research questions that we get to answer, because this is, as I said, this is answering the question, not does hypericum work for depression, but does naturopathic care help people who mm. have depression? Yeah. They get They have a change in their symptoms. And so the ability to kind of capture that holistic care, and it's 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 similar to what would happen out in community, but it's in a much more contained space. So it's much more accessible for researchers and managing the, the logistics. You get a lot of students going through, so you you don't you're not saying essentially doing a research project of does do people who go to these four practitioners get better? You got you know. 20, 30, 50, 100 practitioners providing the care in the different locations. So it, it, it means that any variability in treatment kind of comes out and gets evened out and then you're really getting a sense of the, of the, of the overall accumulation of naturopathic care. Um, there's lots of other types of research questions that can kind of be embedded in these sorts of projects as well, which is really um, exciting. You know, we've... The, the sort of project that we're looking at, at the, um, running as our, as our first project, we're going to be able to answer questions, not just are there differences in practice, as I said earlier, in, in, in prescription approaches, but also what sort of diagnosis are being um, naturopathic diagnosis is underpinning treatment? And is there a cluster or a classification of you know, categories of, of, of types of, of presenting um, approaches um, so if that that might influence 
and and the type of treatment that's being prescribed is if if a naturopath is identifying that adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion is might be part of the problem is that influencing their treatment in a different way than maybe someone that might be more allergy based or something like that and then they're going to take a different approach even though the presenting complaint is still headaches or whatever it might be i'm just going to guess here that the data input of this when you're when you're trying to tease about other uh, confounders of care or outcome the data input is going to be the decider on what data you get out, on what answers you get. So, I mean, that's a massive job. It's huge. It, it is. And so, you know, it's it's coming across, um, as, as Joshua Goldenberg, Dr. Joshua Goldenberg at Bastyr said, who who was the kind of the brain, uh, the lead, is the lead on, the, on our, our first project. Mm. Um, he's he, he was, in his mind, going to be looking to start his project within about six months. It's taken us two years to get here because we went through this whole process of developing the consortium at the back end. Yeah. And then we've had to develop all the infrastructure that, that works, not the infrastructure, the practicalities and the logistics of running yeah. these things through multiple projects at the same time. Um, so that's that, that, there's a lot to that, you know, even in terms of some the, the way that, that students, clinic interactions work is very slightly the amount of time that that um, a patient a practitioner spends um, with their supervisor a student practitioner spends with a supervisor before making you know prescriptions and all sorts of things very somewhat across campuses and across countries so there's lots of variations in all of that but at the same time there's also a lot of consistency so we're just it's just figuring out a lot of that stuff that we're being able to answer some really exciting questions as a mm. result. This is going to answer so many questions. I guess my one thing that I'm going, oh, please, is what about longitudinal studies? Because that's going to be the hard one to achieve, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not going to start with longitudinal studies, oh, but I think we absolutely <laughs> has, has the capacity to go there once we, we get the sort of the shorter term ones um, underway. How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> one bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um I think one of the things that we've taken for the approach with, with um, is, is is it's as light touch for the students as possible. So where things like callbacks come in, I mean, part of it is it's taking a very pragmatic approach, which is what occurs in reality and practice. Right. And in reality and practice, if someone stops going to a, a naturopath, they might get a phone call from the practitioner asking them why, why and why not and what's going on, but they also may not. Right. Um, and so if someone ends up going twice and not the third or fourth time, then then that they that kind of fallout is part of what happens in treatment anyway. Yeah. And so but there's a, an entire methodology that's being built for this clinic, type of clinical research, which is pragmatic clinical research, um, which is different to the highly experimental RCT design. Yeah. Um, so it sits across the two and it's perfectly situated for naturopathic research and holistic research as in that sense. Um, you know, making sure that, that you have validated instruments that are being used. Patient-reported outcome measures become really important. Um, but also if there's going to be pathology tests, and that has to be the, – the, the studies themselves have to be set up. So the students are essentially recruiting participants mm. Mm. and getting them to agree. And then when the, the participant agrees, their, their um, contacts are then made available to the research team to kind of – collect the additional data that's required about the patient's outcome. Yep. And then um, being able – and then basically doing chart extraction after the, the fact and going back into, a, you know, case files or client files 
and um, and pulling out the other information that's being documented by the practitioner over the course of the treatment. So there's two aspects of care. One is liaising with the pre- um, with the patient um, in some form or another um, over the course of whatever the the observational period is, and the other is is going into the client's file after it's all said and done and pulling out the necessary information. So there's actually not that much interaction between the student and the um, the research team because the students got enough to deal with already. They're learning how to yeah. um, be in clinic. What about the issue of blinding? And I guess where I'm going here is not just blinding for the patient, a double blind placebo controlled trial, but also not divulging the agents used in an intervention. I guess this is more specific when you're um, seeing if a, a one or two agents are, are going to have an effect in a disorder. But does that taint the research in any way if you discuss what aspect of naturopathic care you're researching? This Well, this is where the, the, that line between experimental versus um, pragmatic research comes into play. Right. Because a practitioner never prescribes something without knowing what it is that they're prescribing. Um, and the fact that the practitioner is not being asked to prescribe anything in particular, they're just being a naturopath. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and prescribing whatever they feel is appropriate. The only thing that we're asking them to do is diligently make, maintain their case files so that we can get the information we need at a later date. Is the term that I'm using more appropriate for intellectual property things where you want to say, I have researched this and I have found that it's successful, so it's, it's quote unquote mine? Yeah, like patenting kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it probably gets more into the traditional RCP design, which I said is is still possible to be run through ERCNAC, right. through the consortium. It's just not through the student clinic. It's just using the stu- the uh, the rooms of the student clinic to run a, a specific trial. Yeah. Um, so the idea of blinding of then double blind means that the, both the patient doesn't know that they're whether they're receiving the treatment, but also the practitioner doesn't know if they're prescribing the treatment, the active treatment. Yeah. And so that's that's you know next to impossible in in a um, in a holistic care approach. Natu- and a trained practitioner will know if they're practicing as a naturopath or not, if they're prescribing through naturopathic principles or not. Um, and so that that's just not not possible in this sort of environment. I guess this is where the idea of the hierarchy of evidence comes out as well. Um, that and one of the things that I always find, you, you know, when they talk in research about the the RCT being the gold standard and a meta analysis of RCTs being like the pinnacle point to get to, um, one of the things I find to be one of the most common misconceptions is that everything that sits below the RCT is not worth doing. Whereas, you know, the Egyptians never built a pyramid with just the capstone. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so you, you, you need those layers of foundation to build on to get to those final points. And so the sort of study that, you know, the cohort type study that we're talking about, this being really effectively run through the student clinic, sits around the middle of that hierarchy of evidence. It's above a case study, but it's below an RCT. And, um, the, you know, the overall validity of the hierarchy of evidence is something that I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into the controversy of that. But if we, if we take, take it as given that that is an appropriate hierarchy, then the observational study like we get through this answers really great questions around naturopathic care. Mm. Um, and it provides a really great foundation for taking aspects further for specific interventions. So for us to be able to, in a large suite of treatments that might be available for a naturopath, and there's lots of them, you know, for even for people who present with, you know, stress, 
for a really generic kind of idea. There's all sorts of herbs and vitamins and diet and lifestyle practices that a naturopath may be employing uh, to prescribe to their, their patients who present with stress or headaches or insomnia or whatever it might be. And so for us to be able to then prioritize which ones of those are, are the ones that we're, are, worth, are worth even taking further to do an RCT with yeah. as, as a standalone thing? Right. Um, oh, so it gives you a focus get, to jump further with. That's what you're saying. That's right. So we got oh. 200 people who've gone to eight different clinical sites around the world. We can actually, and we can identify what specific herbs and nutrients and practices are being prescribed. We can actually, through, uh, through statistical analysis, identify which ones are getting the better results and is there a connection between a herb or even better, a cluster mm. of herbs mm. Mm. or a combination of herbs and nutrients or, or whatever it might be that's getting a better result than people who are not getting prescribed those particular things. You know, and it gives us a really great way of being able to, to, to learn more about the sort of treatments that might have more effect than other aspects of our care as well without it becoming a simplistic, it's this one herb or it's this one treatment. The most limiting factor in Australia is feet on the ground with research, without a doubt. The amount of times I have practitioners come to me and say, we should be doing research on this and on that, and, and I, I agree with them. There are so many areas. It's, it's a, an amazing time to be a researcher in naturopathy because you can point your feet in any direction and there's research questions that need to be answered. Uh, and the, the biggest challenge that we have is trying to prioritise which one to answer first. So what I've been putting my energy into over the last few years is building infrastructure like the consortium, like Pracky, which I, I know we've talked about before, that that supports research to be done as easily as possible so that with the few people that we have that are doing the actual research work, we can get some really amazing outcomes. Amy, one last question before we go. I mean, this seriously, this just seems so exciting for adding to the base of research so that you can move forward and you can say, we can now have the data to tease apart those interventions, not single, but those care aspects that worked, those that were common, those that showed favour. I have to ask the, the question that is down the track in the future, will this enable change at the government level to say, we have offerings for you for healthcare savings. We can change your wastage of money on useless interventions or inventions after the fact where you're picking up the pieces. Do you think this will change healthcare spending? If it is probably the most important thing, contribution that we as a profession can make to, to that change. You know, the, the machinations of government policy is, um, a, a mystery at best and problematic <laughs> at worst. Yeah. But um, it, but I, the sort of evidence and research that they need for us to be able to to go to the government, as as I said before, with the NHMRC review for herbal medicine, they came out and they said there is evidence for herbal medicine. There is no evidence that the evidence that the herbal medicines that are shown to be evident are actually used and prescribed by herbalists, and that people going to herbalists get better. Really? So they said for naturopathy that there is evidence for naturopathy, but because our, our, our issues with our um, inconsistent or lack of defined regulatory and education standards mean that they can't necessarily transfer those findings into the Australian context. This is the sort of evidence 
where we can say it's not hypericum that that's making the magic in this situation. It's not the B vitamins. It's not to say they're not part of it, but it's the naturopath. It's the prescription of these these products made in a judicious, thoughtful, holistic, individualized manner from the perception of someone who truly understands naturopathic principles. That's what makes the difference. You can't just take some of these things and give them to someone who doesn't know what they're doing and just prescribe it to someone who has a diagnosis. That's not how you get the best outcome. By gathering data in this kind of way, we're getting the sort of information that doesn't just support natural medicine, it supports naturopathy as a system of medicine and as a profession that can contribute meaningfully to the health system. Amy, I'm not religious, but amen to that. Uh, I am just so excited by what you're offering for the naturopathic community and profession around the world. I think everybody should take heed of this and look at the fxmedicine.com.au website for further details on how they indeed might be involved in furthering research into international naturopathic care. Well done, Amy. Good on you. Thanks for joining us on FX Medicine. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can find more Industry Insights podcasts and resources under the Community tab on the FX Medicine website.